0: Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more.
1: So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started.
2: listener over here hey we saved you a seat thanks for joining us on Pine glass preachers we like to think this is a podcast that mimics sitting at the pub with a group of friends talking about anything everything and nothing all at the same time we hope the casual atmosphere with a cavalier disregard for decorum will be palatable forum for, for take, talking about topics you care about we like to keep it light but today we go a little more serious we tackle the topic of death enjoy
0: more importantly though Tom, I really hope when you're at an actual bar, you don't creepily say to some stranger walking by, hey, you, hey, hey, you, hey, hey you, come here, come here and grab a seat up at the pub table. I really hope that doesn't happen in real life.
1: Ne- Never mind our decorum. Uh, that would be awesome. You know what?
0: Sit on my lap. I might, I might use come the come word Papa's lap.
2: Papa squat. Papa squad. <laughs> What can I get you, stranger? You buy your drink. Care for a fuzzy navel? <laughs> That's what I'm drinking. <laughs> Bartender, two of these. Serve them up. Oh my, oh my gosh! Speaking of drinking, what are we drinking tonight, boys? Oh, that was tonight, a boys?
1: seamless transition, man. Wow.
2: He needed a he really needed really know, right?
0: from the creep from the
2: creeper intro.
1: Yeah, that was beautiful, man. <laughs> um, I can go first for I am shamed. Uh, tonight, I am back on the Lacroix. Uh, my lovely wife Melissa and I are doing Whole 30 again, and so
2: oh. I'm just. Did you did you have that good? Kind of no, a man, last I'm time getting or? fat
1: again though, and that's like the only way I lose weight. Like I run, I work out, and nothing's happening. But then I do this, and I'll I'll shed like 16 pounds in the next 30 days. And Josh, Josh and I just had a conversation about you this, and he's like, I just want to be a fat dad. Yeah. I can't do it yet. I can't do it yet.
0: Yep. I'm I'm pretty cool, content. I think I, I haven't completely decided, but. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be, you know, be okay being fat dad for but a while. But you
1: like you look good bigger, Josh. I you know, I am like you know what? I'm not made to be bigger.
0: You know what? Uh there have been a few people lately who have told me that, and so I'm starting to think it's just what you tell fat people to make them feel better about themselves. Like, like, oh, you know what? This is a good size for you. Like, what is that supposed to mean? That if I had the body of Brad Pitt that I would, like, look terrible?
1: You wouldn't look right. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, you know?
0: You know? Whatever. So with that, I'm not, I don't even just have a 12-ounce beer tonight. I have a bomber. That's one— pint and six fluid ounces uh and to uh well pay homage to tom and his creepy introduction it is called (laughs) humphrey's hefe Ooh, it's a south german hefeweizen style ale (laughs) the
1: hefeweizen
0: and once again this comes to me as a gift from my brother-in-law tom bilstein tom tj as i like to call you thank you bud thank you for this from lumberyard brewing company in flagstaff arizona cheers
2: TJ
1: twelve oh three Nightshade Lane Leander Texas seven eight six four one Send me a package.
0: No 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 he sent he sent like a box of wine and beer with my in laws when they came back and so I've oh, got so a not mailing
1: it. No
0: no 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 this was this was this was transported across state lines like thirteen state lines so.
1: Wait is that illegal if it's closed?
2: No it's not illegal but it makes oh, okay. it sound way cooler. Yeah you can't send alcohol through the mail.
1: You can't, or you
2: can. But now that we have Gabe's address, uh, for all of you listening out there, please send him stuff. The weirder, uh, the better. Random stuff, stuff that would be embarrassing for him to get. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever, Lipstick, whatever perfume, you can send, that'd be everything. great. Uh, Skid-marked underwear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Josh, I actually get similar comments with my with my baldness, my shaved head. Uh, people will give me the random uh, backhanded compliment of, "Yeah, you got a great shape to <laughs> head to like be bald. Like that's great."
1: That's good. What are you drinking,
2: Tom? Like, I, it's symmetrical. It's round. You don't like, have any. Like, I'm not sure what. Yeah, you don't have any weird that, lumps. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no scars. Nothing. You know. That's what you know. What, I got. To be
1: fair, though, uh, what I do have though in my hand. All right, go. Ahead, go. Go ahead.
2: No, no, no. You go.
1: <laughs> what you do have is a circular head, whereas, like, I have a very long rectangular head, and I feel like if I was bald, it'd just look very uncomfortable. It'd be like a book, like a, a guy with a book face walking around. Like,
0: <laughs> you, Dude, you would look, like, salty. You would be a human salty.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, it works for you.
2: Well, you know, I actually do re- I do remember the first time I shaved my head, and I was like, well, I'll do it, and if it looks terrible, then... You know, I'll struggle through with my whatever hair I got left for as long as I can and then finally go for it. But when I shaved my head, I was like, well, that's not the worst thing in the world. And that's just how we kept it then. So so what I'm drinking tonight, I have, uh, once again, I'm drinking rum and Coke. I am drinking the uh, Briny Gold Shipwreck Spiced Rum with Coke. Ooh. And it's wonderful.
1: Ooh, Nice. That made me think. Uh I just read my boy his bedtime story and it was about pirates. So, what a theme tonight. Anyways, uh Josh, you said you had a story it, for us. His, or Tom, yeah. you, you had one.
2: Book? Does he make you read it every night?
1: No, he doesn't make me read it every night. It just this it's actually brand new from his grandma.
2: Well, I I like to think that my story tonight uh Kind of brings us, ties in our last episode about fantasy football. I I was in uh, the great state of Wisconsin this last weekend. And I was with my family. We went out to a supper club. And it was really typical Wisconsin supper club. Lots of wood paneling and deer heads and random Packer memorabilia and just weird. Oh, and beer signs. Like that's the decor of every supper club, right? And so... Uh, we're there we're yep, eating yep. and I look over and here comes this this couple uh, they're probably 55 pushing 60 and just very typical Wisconsin couple you know if I were to guess I'd say he's worked in a bank his entire career and and she's a school teacher. you know like that's the vibe I was getting right but then a, a, upon closer inspection she had the uh, the shorter older woman haircut uh, curly and whatnot except for on the side it was almost buzzed and it, like had the lines in it like 12 year old boys do yeah, in yeah, the yeah. 1990s i had
1: those the racing you know stripes yeah, yeah
2: you know what i'm saying classic
1: yeah yeah did, did you guys have a rat tail right?
2: too heck no those
1: oh were i did no. i rocked the rat tail you
2: would because my parents you know cared about you me you would have had a rat tail
1: <laughs> No, I was uh, yeah, I was real white trash early on. It was good. I mean, I maybe still am. I, I live in Leander, Texas. So, anyways,
2: wow. do you still have a that's rat neither tail here nor there, Tom? <laughs> all right. So, so uh, upon further inspection of this woman, uh, with the with the the shaved sides, she also, um, first of all, her hair was a very rusty reddish brown kind of color, but then she had the lines. The, the stripes she had them painted yellow and green that's what's up and I'm thinking wow this woman I I thought she really loved the Olympics you know she's she she's showing some real real spirit and then I was like no maybe maybe she really likes Usain bolt because that was the night before and I said you know that, that that's cool you know and then I realized we're in Wisconsin and that it's normal for a 55-year-old woman to shave the sides of her head, color it yellow and green, and then go out in public like nothing's happening. Like that's normal Wisconsin oh, it behavior. Is.
1: Yep. That's beautiful, man. That was beautiful. We need more women like her in this she world. She loves
2: her Green Bay Packers so much. Oh. That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. All right. So that, that brought us in from last week. Josh – You have a story to bring us into this week.
0: Yes, yes. Let me get us back on topic, Um, as usually I'm the one distracting us. But for all you male listeners out there, you are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And that is when you come as close to death as is humanly possible on this side of the grave, I'm talking about getting kicked square in the nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Last night, about to put the kids to bed. Uh, apparently, all of them have an interest in taking Taekwondo as an extracurricular activity. So me wanting to impress them and be cool, I started making all kinds of ninja noises and moves and fake karate shopping them. And Good. you know, then said, oh, okay, kids. Oh, we've had our fun. Let's go to bed. So we get up to the top of the st- – we have some stairs in our house. We get up to the top of the stairs where the, where the boys' and the girls' bedroom splits off. And we're up there, and I literally turn around, and my oldest daughter, Harper, goes, hi and just kicks me square in the crotch. <laughs> and it, it let's just say her aim was impeccable, and it dropped me to the ground. I was, like, keeled over, just groaning, and she was like,
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> I
0: was like, it's okay. You just kicked Daddy in the privates. But literally for, like, an hour, I was so sick to my stomach. And she just clocked me so hard. So, as we all know, as men, getting kicked in the baby maker uh, is not the most pleasant experience and can frequently feel
1: like death.
0: So, Gabe, what are we talking about tonight?
1: We're talking about death. Wow. That was incredible how that happened.
0: Super deep um, and insane. Yeah.
1: Very profound. Yeah, so we're going to talk about death, but before we do that, we want to hear from a friend of ours whose name actually means love. Uh, I introd him last week and was incorrect to do so. So uh, this. Shame this, on you. Yeah, I'm sorry, listening world, uh, especially to you, Janet. Uh, but this episode, our good friend, Agape, is going to drop some fat beats. Take it away, Agape. We'll be right back, friends.
0: will make us alive loving our neighbors and we love them in the name of our god compassion not just words
1: but action rising from the ashes just like lazarus from the casket all right well that was agape i uh, hope y'all enjoyed it uh we sure did and do and uh it's it's just good to get a little hip-hop hippity hip-hop in hip anonymous Hip hop and you give him all the easy ones. Uh, so today we're talking about death and and here's why I think this is an important conversation. So just let me rant for a second here. Uh, I feel like in our culture we're well we're certainly uncomfortable with death, which is understandable because it's it sucks. I mean, it's not a good thing. Uh, But we also like, we don't know how to think about it. We don't like, like people, you know, does, did grandma become an angel or uh, is, you know, mom always wants to say, well, I'm still with you kids. But, but is she really like that? We just don't know how to talk about it. We don't have language for it. And uh, even, even in the Christian church, we don't And we don't, we don't have language for it. And part of that is because in, in many ways uh, in Christianity, we, our, our images, our imagination towards death, is not shaped by scripture in as much as it's shaped by medieval paintings uh, and Dante's Inferno and you know really weird literature from the 1890s and the 1990s and and so we have these like odd understandings of death and so my hope is that that for us here we can just kind of break down really what what the Bible says about death and and you know if you're not a Christian you can at least hear from us what um, what it actually says as opposed to what we assume it says or what you think it says, I think we just want to lay down. This is, this is really what it's about. Right. Agreed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's where we want to go. I mean, I have so many, I've had so many uh, discussions with people about what happens after we die, you know, what's it really going to be like kind of thing as if I have all the answers to this. And yep. then I also get this question too from some of my friends that that uh, that don't that don't necessarily have um, the same understanding that I do of scripture, or or maybe some some that don't have a, a a Christian faith per se. Is isn't heaven just a nice thing that somebody created to make us feel better about death, to make right. it less scary?
1: Right. Right. Well, so let's, let's just go like real basic. Okay. So we'll just like start with the, the most simplest things in the entire world, just so we're, we're on the same page. Um, so pretty clearly like, well, and let me say this too, though, before we get into it, because some people may not like the answer. And, and one thing I like to say with this is like, we can only speak. Where the Bible speaks, we can't speak where it doesn't speak. Like, so I'm not going to say things that it doesn't say just because culturally in our heads we think it should be this way. We just got to speak to what it says. All right. Uh, so, first of all, uh, when you die, this is what happens: uh, your life, your body, stops working. Right, and 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 it it ceases to live and your body and soul separate, right? So we believe humans are are made up of body and soul. And we would say, when you die, they separate for a time, okay? And so we kind of get this from scripture uh, in in a few places, Uh, Luke 23, Jesus says to the thief on the cross, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Uh, In Philippians 1, St. Paul talks about whether or not he should keep living or if he should just die and go and be with Christ. And so, one of the cool things we see, like that's really clear in Scripture, is that when you die, body and soul separate, and your soul is with Christ. Like, we know that. When you die right away, your soul is with Christ. We all tracking so far? Now.
0: Now what? I don't. I don't want to like already throw a, a wrench in your gearworks here about death, but I, I've been thinking about something recently when it comes to death and that exact uh, exegetical interpretation of scripture. Okay. And here's here's where I'm not sure if it's a valid challenge or not, but I've been thinking about it, and so if we would say that God exists out of time and space. Yeah. Right. And in the incarnation, he chose to enter time, our time and space, through the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, right? Yep, agreed. And Jesus died, rose again, and then offers his promise of this eternal life to all who believe in him, okay?
1: We need like so, an orthodox button, where every we, time I affirm you, it just goes orthodox.
0: Yeah, that would be really
1: good. Or Yeah. yeah. Yes. Tom,
0: can you figure that out? Get on that, Tom. Yeah, those are
2: such
1: dorks. Okay, okay. anyway, go on, so go on.
0: here so here's my challenge to you, okay? In so many ways when scripture speaks of like you said the 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 reward, I guess, of dying in faith, which is to be with Christ. Um, I wonder since Christ has returned to the throne of God, which is outside of our time and space, that is it possible that when we die we have actually experienced the resurrection of the dead in a non-linear way, in the yeah, sense yeah, yeah. that in the sense that we here are continuing to view time as linear from birth to death. There will come a time when the resurrection of the dead happens and Jesus returns. But what I've been wondering, because I, I don't see anywhere in Scripture that that definitively says I'm wrong, but nowhere does it also say that this is what definitively happens in the same way that separation of body and soul happens. That what if in death, those, the literally when you die, the resurrection of the, you have already experienced the resurrection right. of the living and the dead.
1: Well, so, so Josh, let's, let me, let me pause there though. Cause you are getting a little ahead of us. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Cause no, it's fine. It's I got fine.
0: excited. I got excited. I love it's this cool. kind of stuff.
1: It's cool. I do too. So th- that's what I would call and what N.T. Wright would call life after life after death. Right, and so, so I want to just start with uh, life after death. Uh, Okay, Tom, we won't get into theological arguments. And um, so, life after death, though, it it is like it's the basis we see is soul and body are separate. Like there's just no denying that. Now, what exactly happens with the soul? Tell me where that it says (laughs) that. I just told you.
0: No, but that doesn't say body and soul are separated. It just says that the presence of the person died is with Christ. That doesn't say – because if Christ was physically raised from the dead and then therefore physically ascended into heaven, that he exists as body and soul in the divine person of okay. Jesus. So we so to... could he also – it never says that the body and soul of the thief on the cross um, or that if Paul would rather okay. choose to die and be with Christ, that his body and soul have been physically separated.
1: So, so here's what we have to do, though. We have to speak from two perspectives, in a sense, because we do have to speak from our human perspective in regards to death. Okay, so I get what you're saying, like that when a person dies, it, it's not like, maybe it's not like their body and soul separate, that they just wake up and it's the resurrection. But what I'm saying is, at least from a human perspective, it, it doesn't happen, right? Like it is a dead body. And that, that hasn't gone into the resurrection from where we sit. And
0: sure. And we're still waiting for it to be exactly. raised. Okay. So that's all I'll, I'm saying you. is
1: like this side of gotcha. eternity, we can only speak on that behalf. So gotcha. let, let me just get into your theory though. Cause I, I think you're right. Because, so then here's the, the few theories that get out there is some theologians would say, Hey, when a person dies, they enter into, uh, what, what they call soul sleep, which, you know, if you've ever seen the, the play our town, I know you guys are big fans of theater. Um, Tom's uh, a huge thespian. Tom's love is big thespian, and um, at at any rate, uh, that that's basically what the whole uh, the whole show is about. Is these people are in soul sleep, and they're literally just in kind of a peaceful sleep, and they're waiting until Jesus comes back. So they're sleeping for like thousands of years, right? And uh, yes, it's a T H, not an L, Tom. Uh, and so. <laughs> So, so they're doing that. Uh, some folks would say, okay, and, and this is where it gets a little tricky, Josh, and this is where your theory is maybe help, helpful, is that some folks would say, well, when a person dies, soul and body separate, and the Christian one who's in Christ uh, is is resting at peace with him, uh, whatever that looks like, waiting the new heavens and the new earth, and anyone who's rejected Christ, they're not at peace as they, they await judgment. And some so would say that...
0: So they're sort of like squirming in the grave in the intermediary in, in, intermediary before they've actually been, like, banished to Sheol or to right. Hell or to, you know, eternal punishment or whatever.
1: Right. Or the okay. thought is that, like, Sheol, Hell, eternal punishment, that, that does happen right away, and then they're resurrected and gets a little dark here, and then they get thrown back there again.
0: Oh. So that'd be, like, life after death after death.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and when you think about it, like, Revelations talks about the second death. Um, True. And so, so there's something to that. Um, and then what I would say a third group of theologians says, when you die, time doesn't really apply to you the way it does now. And so, yeah, from our perspective, soul and body are separate. But really, from the dead person, they just sort of wake up right away at the resurrection of the dead, at life after life after death, uh, soul and body are reunited at whatever day that is in the future because God's outside of time, and off you go into your eternal destiny, uh, whatever that looks like for you. Wait, well, however. And you know,
0: yeah, and you know what's funny about that is I, I think that's the least uh, acknowledged or at least spoken of yep. or taught theory, yet at the same time, our language at funerals – uh, actually sort of indicates that that's what, what most pastors or theologians would believe. Because like, yep. if you think about the language at the time of death, people are saying like, oh, you know, Gabe has received his eternal reward. Yep. Well, if we're being technical, his eternal reward is not simply to die and have his soul hang out with Jesus until he comes back. But the eternal reward of the Christian is a bodily resurrection, a, a holistic, you know, complete and total resurrection. Um, when Christ returns And so You know It's it's really funny That we're talking about it Because it's sort of like Do we want to land On the theological th- Or theo- theology Theological technicalities Or Do we want to focus on Like the pragmatic Way That we approach death um, As we see it in Say You know Funerals Memorials Right Theories Whatever Right You know what I'm saying
2: I, I think I think the thing That we need to focus on here Is as if I if I'm listening to this podcast right now, I'm hearing a couple things. I'm hearing wow, there's three or four theories about what happens to my body and my soul, and what's the time period, and how does this all work? And I hear a lot about a, an in between time here. Which, <clears throat> excuse me if you, if you are of the mind to believe in what we call purgatory, some kind of waiting period. But I know that. You, Josh, and you, Gabe, and me—we come from the Lutheran heritage, and we don't—we don't believe in this thing called purgatory. And so, what I'd like to hear is—I mean, for the sake of this argument, let's just go with. Tell me what what we what we believe on this podcast. Whether you, the listeners, believe this or not, this is what we believe happens, and then we can move on to other pieces of this whole death.
1: Well, let me say, t- here's discussion. the thing, though. When we talk about this intermediate state, it isn't purgatory. That's, that's, a, that's a totally different thing. That's like a, a cleansing time, which is unbiblical. We wouldn't accept it. it yeah,
0: speak, speaking of paintings, that would be like Dante's Inferno. If you've ever read it or seen a painting of it, that's essentially what a purgatorial you know, state mm-hmm. would
1: be. Right. So this intermediate state is not the same thing as purgatory. But that being said, to get to your point, Tom, what what do we believe— once again, honestly, it's tough because when it comes to this life after death, life after life after death, like I'm scripture's not like super clear. And and so what we're clear on is that our hope is in Christ and that those who die in Christ are with him. Now, and we're
0: very clear and, that there will be a resurrection of yes. both the living and the dead, and that resurrection is not a spiritual resurrection, but a physical resurrection bodily as yeah, well. yeah. Bo- or bodily correct
2: so so l- let me br- let me bring this into terms that just me a mere mortal non-pastor can can think of um the first thing gabe you, you said the word our, our hope is in jesus christ and and, and i want to be clear with with the listeners and please correct me if i'm wrong but when we use the word hope like my hope is in jesus christ my hope is in this eternal life um the word the the word hope as it's used in scripture is used a little differently than 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 how we use it like i hope for my birthday that i get this thing that that i get a new car that i get that i get a you know a new watch or whatever i hope i get that because i might get it i might not but when scripture says my hope is in jesus christ the word hope is actually more a literal it is a for sure going to happen am i am i right on that
1: so I don't know because you totally froze for me. Josh, did you catch any of it? Nope. But I think I know what you were getting at.
0: Um and stop oh, me okay. if, if let, I'm wrong. Let. But our when when Gabe said our hope is in Jesus Christ, the the word hope in this particular context can be just kind of swapped out for faith or for trust, uh, essentially saying that our hope is in Jesus on a number of levels. One, that what he said is true, that if we believe in him, we will not only our, – our, our sin has not only died with him, our old flesh has not only died with him, but we will also be raised to new life with him. And secondly, that he is coming back, and when he comes back, he will raise us, right. and you know, we will live in the new creation, perfected and holy uh, you know, with him. And so hope isn't just like, oh man, fingers crossed, let's see if this happens, I sure hope it does, but rather it's more of a definitive trust that what he says is true and that there will come a time that either when I die or when he returns, that all of what he spoke and the promises that he made will actually end up to be true.
2: Right. So so the, the word hope is very different than, than how we use it in everyday language. In scripture, it means a much more for sure thing. Uh, right. Yeah,
0: because if I were to say, I hope I get skinny one day after our previous conversation, <laughs> uh, not much of a chance of that happening. All right. But right. It's,
1: it's not like a lofty like, well, maybe it'll happen.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's more of a confidence. Uh, and I think that's the way scripture typically uses it is that when when scripture speaks of hope in something, hope in God, hope in the promises, hope in the future, whatever, that it's a, a like it's a confidence that borders on definitive
1: statements. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Right. Okay. So then. So then. The end piece of this. Uh, of this is. When we. When we die. At some point. We will be. That we will be with Christ. We will. We are. Re, we are revived. We are resurrected. We are. We are with Him. And so, as Christians, we believe that we will be reunited, that our bodies will be made whole again, our souls will be be with Christ forever. Yes?
1: Well, so you, you're kind of saying a couple things there. It, yes, sort of. But let me be clear. So, so when you die, if you're in Christ, you automatically you're with him. You're, at, at the very least, the Bible's clear that you're, at least your soul is with him. What Josh and I are saying is where there's some divide is whether or not it's your body and soul right away with him or if it's just your soul with him, and then a little bit later, your body ends up joining you with him. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And, and also, just to those who
0: are listening, don't get hung up on the timeline when it comes to that because, once again, God exists outside of time and space, and so... Even in what you said, Gabe, I feel like the temptation is always to say, okay, but if the body and soul, if there is a time in which they're not reunited right away, then how long is that? Right. And yet at the same time, you know, Scripture is pretty clear as well that a thousand years in God's time is like a day and hours. And so it's a very, you know, blurry, ambiguous, undefined period of uh, of time, of waiting, you know, whatever adjective you want to use – adverb or i don't even know my own grammar whatever that word is i'm trying to find it's there and so i think but i think that that's where at least in american christianity that's where we tend to get hung up when it comes to death yeah we want a definitive answer when i die like for some reason as americans we want to know what happens exactly when we die and yet i would think it's probably most fair to say that from a lutheran perspective we're okay with the mystery of saying we sort of know what happens, but we don't really know what happens. Um, but we know that there are a couple things that Jesus promises will happen. So we're just going to put our hope or our confidence in those.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, let me tell you guys, I don't know if I've ever told you guys this, uh, my plan for the resurrection. You died and went to heaven and came back and you saw it and you're going to write a book. No. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to make millions and then a movie and make even more. And then we're all going to find out. It's awesome. Uh, so that I'm a liar. Uh, no, so check it out. this is this is my plan is uh, you know when I die, uh, so I'm an organ donor, right? So when I die, harvest my organs, give them to some some folks in need way to go. Then uh, I'm gonna get cremated and my ashes are gonna get thrown into Lake Michigan and which is my favorite like piece of nature on all this whole earth. And so they're in Lake Michigan. So then Jesus comes back and we all resurrect from the dead. And so like, I'm going to get resurrected. And so then my ashes are going to start swirling around the lake. Meanwhile, all my organs are in other people. And so they're going to come flying out of those other people and just like fly into me as I like shoot up out of the water and, and whip my hair behind my head like Ariel and The little mermaid. And that's my plan. That's the most ridiculous thing
0: I have ever heard. On planet Earth.
2: Well. I am no dumber for hearing that. I'm
0: pretty sure, speaking of Revelation, I'm pretty sure that all the elders and all the angels and archangels who are before the throne of God right now are shielding their eyes, turning their backs, and there's a collective, like, Whoa. Whoa. Easy. Right. Hey,
2: but let me ask you a question. And Jesus is just shaking his head thinking, not even close. Yeah, not
0: yeah. even close. Yeah. Nothing worse than a Jesus head shake towards you. Um, but you know, it's funny you, you mentioned the whole cremation thing because I know some people who like my mom wants to be cremated because she says the thought of I mean, in in life, the thought of being eaten by like worms and bugs in death freaks her out too much. So she wants to be cremated. But there there are some legitimate, you know, uh fears that cremation will somehow negate a bodily resurrection
1: yeah i've heard that and i think that's kind of silly right like i mean i mean if if christ can raise you from the dead surely he can
0: you know and if and if the father can speak creation into existence from nothing surely he can collect these molecules and atoms of your ashes and you know, mold you back into this perfected new creation.
1: Right. Which, and exactly, and on top of that, like, if you think about it, you know, someone who died a thousand years ago, like, their body's totally rotted. I mean, it it's not really any different than someone's ashes. Were, I mean, not if they were a mummy. Well, so that's or the like thing, right? So should we mummify ourselves? In the Alps. Just to be sure it's not too hard for God to put us back together. Like, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's always a good idea to take control from God's hands and say <laughs> we can help him. I mean, that's, that that's generally our go-to. Right? Well. I
1: mean, yeah, 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 rule of thumb. Yep, right. A good, good move. Good move. All right, you want to move on, Tom?
2: No, so I, so just I, I I want to clarify this little cremation conversation okay. that it doesn't matter.
1: That would be my yeah, opinion.
2: Mean, hey, so I mean, Gabe got to give be cremated, be buried. In the ground, have your brother uh, put your feet in cement and dump you into Lake Michigan. Like, whatever, right? Yeah.
0: Okay. Gabe got to share his weird swirling ashes rising up like some type of superhero marble comic character, you know, into Jesus' loving embrace. Yep. Here's what I've always tried to convince my wife that I want, like, I'm super into. I shouldn't say this. Uh, I'm infatuated sometimes with pagan rituals, all right? One of those being burned on a funeral pyre and i told jenny i'm yes. like jenny when i die build me a funeral pyre yes and just set me on fire in nature somewhere like that's how i want to go out i like and that yeah i know right it with sounds... the with darth with the darth vader mask okay no i'm not a nerd i said i was into like pagan ritual not star wars you know force kind of stuff Nerdry. okay <laughs> Uh, on a different note, shout out to a Christian hip hop artist named Four Known who had a pretty amazing line oh, in so one of his good. tracks uh, about uh, you know this. I don't know if it was an actual woman or not, but in this in the in the rap, the character's girlfriend, you know, confused Anakin and Darth Vader, thinking they were two separate people, but they were the same. So, spoiler alert: they're the oh, same. Worst. Yep. Anyway, to get back to my weird death, you know, in. You know, desire. I want to be burned on a funeral pyre, and Jenny won't do it. She says she refuses to because she apparently thinks that that would be one of the most painful experiences to watch me burn on a funeral pyre. But I think it'd be one of the better ways to go.
1: For sure, man.
0: Like a Viking, or I'm trying to think I mean, who else gets burned up a Roman. I mean, you're How already dead, right? That's what I'm saying. So why not build like this weird wooden tower and pour some tree sap on it, throw a match in, and call it good?
1: Well, that's a, I've always liked the idea of a Viking funeral too, right? Like you're on the oh, ship. Oh, on the boat and just yeah. like push
2: it, light it on fire and push it off? Yeah, or I they mean, like shoot That the can arrow. incorporate your Lake Michigan.
1: Yes. Oh, oh man, this just better. got better. Good can, call.
0: Can we, yeah. can we make a pact between the three of us that we will – whoever dies first, the others will ensure that they're burned on a funeral pyre or in a Viking ship?
1: Pact made.
0: We need to upper-thigh yes. about this when we'll yes. we see each other next.
1: All right, done. It's happening. Can't wait to cut that covenant.
0: That that totally took us away from cremate well, not really so much cremation, because you are being burned. But no, if you would like to join us, if
2: you would like to join us in our Viking cremation uh pact, please tweet us or (laughs) or Facebook us. We'll get you in.
1: (laughs) We're very open to thighs. Yeah. We're gonna yeah, yeah. Only guy thigh though. Don't get any ideas, ladies. All right. Um moving along. Uh what about suicide, Pastor Josh?
0: This actually, I think this topic, well, let me just say this. I know for a very, very long time, and according to one of the more uh, orthodox mainline traditions of Christianity, the Catholic Church, uh, they very specifically say that suicide is sort of an unforgivable sin, and that it is one of those things that if you do it, you there's just no chance that you are ever going to receive the grace of God. And what I find so interesting is lately, uh, we've been having a lot of these conversations nationally, at least, about assisted suicide and how there are now clinics that you can go to, uh, doctors you can see, and even hospice care that if you are, you know, have an incurable cancer or, you know, your organs are starting to fail, that you can kind of have this uh, assisted suicide. And so here's where i would say and and to go back to the very beginning of one of the foundational premises at least as lutheran pastors that gabe and i hold is that we don't like to definitively answer something where scripture doesn't specifically say one way or the other and correct me if i'm wrong Gabe, but i'm not sure that there is a place where scripture says if you commit suicide like you're going to hell or that it's some type of unforgivable sin.
1: Fact, there is not a place where it says that.
0: That's what I thought. Uh, I mean, you clearly see after Judas betrays Jesus, he goes out and he hangs himself, and he commits suicide. But there wasn't a specific condemnation against Judas, but kind of this, uh, well, to the field where his blood lay, and the fact that for some reason his entire stomach and intestines... Opened up to the, the ground. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty intense. But so, I mean, I would say this uh, for me, it's a control issue once again, where if it comes down to power and control, our tendency as broken human beings is to say, Yeah, I can control life and death, which is typically in the realm of God. And so, committing suicide is probably not a, uh, it's more of a power struggle and a control issue for me than necessarily a, a sin or unforgivable sin kind of issue. But I, I am sort of intrigued to hear what you guys think about this assisted suicide thing because I'm not entirely sure where I fall uh, on the fence ah. because you see even in the Bible times where you've got like shield bearers and armor bearers falling on swords or allowing you know yep. a king that they're yep. serving to fall on swords. Yep. Um, who was that? Was that – uh? it was Saul, wasn't it? Saul. No, no, yeah, no, no. Saul falls yeah, on his yeah, sword. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. So –
2: I mean, well, suicide let's, let's aside. Bring it to a more, let, let's bring it to a more more modern-day example. You know, we, I, I totally get what you're saying about this assisted suicide where I choose to say, you know what, I've got ter- terminal cancer. I, I'm not going to let this play out. I want to do this tomorrow kind of thing. But we have similar things. I mean, if, if my wife – if we've been in a terrible car accident, my wife is – in a coma and it, the doctors are like man she only has a 0.5 percent chance of ever surviving you can leave her here on life support forever and ever or you can pull the plug and i decide man you know the chances of her coming back are, are, aren't good uh, let's pull the plug is that not assisted suicide or is that or is that just straight up murder you know, well, I mean, uh,
0: well. See, that's where I'm not sure. I mean, I mean, I mean, there, but I think that's different than like going to the clinic in Oregon and they give you like pills to essentially shut down your your brain and your heart. You right. Because
1: because I mean? her will isn't involved in that in your situation, Tom. Right. And so that's the whole thing of what makes suicide yeah, suicide yeah. is it's someone's will, whereas hers isn't. Um. Here's what I would say, man. It, even even with like with all of this, I think there's just some truths that have to sit in tension. One, um, God is pro life. Don't get overly politicized or excited over there. Okay. All all I'm saying is, He created life. He gives life. However, life can go on. He cherishes all life. Like, He is the God of life. He's not the God of death.
0: Interesting because He commanded His people in the Old Testament numerous times to slaughter every living thing.
1: Oh my gosh, Josh. Like you really, want to go through all that right now? I don't No, Not right now, but maybe later. So maybe not bring it up. Okay, good. Let's call it the
0: imprecatory Psalm episode or something like
1: that. Good Lord. Okay. So at at any rate, so, so God is is, alert. So, so despite Josh trying to throw a wrench in things, the reality is he's the creator of life. He's the sustainer of life. Like that's what he does. It's his thing. He's all about life. He's not about death. Okay. Um, so from that posture, we're always seeking to advance life. And so suicide is never okay. It's never a good thing. Assisted suicide is never okay. It's never a good thing. Is it damnable is a different question, okay? And and that's where I would say not necessarily. And, and in fact, I, I think we probably get too excited about it because the reality is what... You know, Jesus is clear. He says there's only one forgivable sin, and that's the sin against the Holy Spirit, which is the sin of unbelief. He says that's the only thing. You,
2: mean, you just said the only forgivable sin, so I want to be very clear that you meant the only unforgivable sin.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I said unforgivable. So he says there's only one, and that's the sin against the Holy Spirit, which is unbelief. And so is it, is it possible that someone in a really dark moment— commit suicide, but they still trust in Jesus, I think it's possible. I don't think that's totally excluded from that realm of possibility. And so if all, if, if God's grace,
2: I think some people would say though that, I think some people would say that that committing suicide is, is the absence of that trust in Jesus Christ that you, you, you do not trust that he has taken care of you, that you do not okay. trust that, that he has a better plan for you.
0: Well, let me, let me throw in yet another wrench. Because this, this topic is so complex. So let's go – let's take it to, say, a, a – let's, let's take it back to the greatest commandment, to love God and then to love your neighbor. So if Tom and I are hanging out and Gabe shows up with a gun and he says, I'm going to kill you, Tom, and I step in front of that gun in order – in love for you to save your life, Tom – I am willfully saying that I'm going to allow myself to die. I'm going to basically kill myself for your sake. That to Someone me. Someone jumping seems like an incredible on a, some, demonstration. somebody jumping
2: on a grenade to save.
0: Exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I maybe our definition of suicide uh, is too wide. Maybe it needs to be narrowed. I mean, is it with when you are an, an individual, you're alone in your choosing this decision versus a public situation where you're sacrificing yourself. I mean, is there a difference I guess between sacrifice uh from a bodily perspective and suicide that way or sacrifice for the sake of your neighbor? I don't know. Gabe, what? you seem agitated. So I am what would you I say am because that?
1: there of course there's a difference. Like it's not it's not the same thing. So I mean, otherwise one one would make the argument that Jesus was suicidal, right? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Like like he he willingly went to the cross uh, and sacrificed himself for everyone else, knowing full well that's what was going to happen to him. So, yeah, so,
0: is that a, so is that a bad thing to say? I mean, I'm, I'm no, okay So it's saying not, Jesus was suicidal.
1: No, that's that's stupid. It could be suicide is like there's a difference between sacrifice and suicide. Like Suicide is you're killing yourself not for the sake of anyone else, but for the sake of ending your own life because you can't live anymore. Okay,
0: so the crusaders who— convince themselves that they were on this global conquest in the name of Christ and you know, threw themselves headlong into Muslim forces, like that's not sacrifice. That's suicide. That's dumb.
1: Well yep. I get what you're saying there. Okay. You know so, what I mean? So like yeah, 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 it, yeah. it
0: can't be so black and white. Because yeah, there are plenty of situations.
1: Yep. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But either way, let's let's just go with like, oh, this will no, make some people really I happy. Uh, let's, let's just let's say like Robin Williams. I mean, that's okay? medieval
2: warfare, and they now, know
1: that it's... If- I don't really know what his faith was or not, but we all know he committed suicide. Um, and so like, like, let's use that circumstance that, that way. Um, let's assume that he was a Christian. I, I mean, that's not probably right at all, but let's pretend he was. Um, do I think it's entirely possible that a Christian could have a dark moment or could be wrestling with mental illness or could be at a point where that's just where they go and God's grace still covers that, man, I sure hope so. Like, I sure hope it's big enough for that.
0: And I think you'd have, I mean, I shouldn't say you'd have to, but I think you'd have to say that that is true because those same dark moments in a situation that that may not be life-threatening, we would tell someone at our church or in council or even to a friend that God's grace is bigger and can tackle whatever the darkest part of your life is exactly. you know what i mean in the same person that that has destructive behavior um you know whether it's with a bottle or a woman yep. like that will eventually kill them and yep. yet as representatives and you know mouthpieces for this god of life we would say yeah no you know what like he's got you on that he can still redeem that he can still cover those things and so i think it's possible but i i think you're absolutely right in the very first thing you said Gabe. it's not a good thing and it never will be a good thing suicide is not the number one choice or the number 100 choice when it comes to death for a christian however because because scripture doesn't specifically condemn it as unforgivable um i don't think we can say that that there there isn't the possibility very real possibility of an eternally saving relationship with christ even in a moment of darkness and despair that leads to suicide
1: word all right so let's leave that we got two more questions that i want us to go through Uh, one of them tom mentioned earlier on and it's, you know, the question is kind of based, I don't know, I can't remember what movie it was, but it's, uh, like, Ricky Gervais is in it, and it's this whole thing where, like, this whole culture, no one lies, like, everyone tells the truth all the time, and then... Um, Ricky
0: Gervais was in it?
1: Yeah, yeah, just hang on, man, it, it'll make sense. Has, I remember that
0: one. Where has that guy's career gone, by the way? He hasn't been in anything in, like, a decade.
1: I don't know, man, but his, his atheism is just adorable. I think he does adorable. more
2: writing and producing than anything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But at any rate, so so in his – in this movie of his that however long ago it was that was made, everyone tells the truth. But then the, – The invention of lying. That's what it's called, the invention of lying. And so the whole reason lying – Starting
2: Jennifer Garner. There,
1: okay. The whole reason lying becomes invented is because Ricky Gervais's mom is on her deathbed and she's like, when I die, is that it? And he doesn't – want her to die without hope. He doesn't want her to die thinking that it just goes to black. And so the great lie that he makes up is that heaven exists. Um, and so that's kind of the, the whole point of the movie. That's how lying entered into the world was that he didn't want his mom to to have to face just the cold blackness of death. And so he tells her heaven's real, even though, of course, anyone with a brain knows that it's not. And so the... Um, the question being, is heaven just a, a, a nice thing that somebody created to make us feel better about death?
0: I think that's what we've made it to be. I think that's mm, American therapeuticism. I, I, I mean, I think that's what heaven has been stripped of its biblical underpinnings and created to be something, a, a nice thing that makes us feel better about death. I mean, how often do you hear people uh, who die? And, oh, yeah, they were a good person. They went to heaven. You know what I mean? So then what is heaven? Yeah. yeah. It, it is this figment of our imagination that helps us cope with the incredibly difficult reality of death. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, at least from a Christian perspective, heaven is not a place that you float away to when you die. But heaven is the kingdom of God, which subsequently is the rule and reign of Christ in your life and for all eternity. Yeah. So, just by simply separating heaven from the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, you have created a false hope and a false alternative to this located, you know, this location in the afterlife.
1: Dude, that's Man, a really I, good answer, Josh.
0: Thanks, I, but I also feel really mean about it, which once again is just like yet another result of this therapeutic deism that we've been trained and raised in here in america you know what I mean? yep. because like you don't want to offend someone even in death yeah we don't want to offend in life and yet we don't even want to offend in death we want to help them cope with it even if that means lying to their faces
1: yeah well and i think and this will get us into a whole conversation we probably shouldn't get into on this podcast but there is a um for lack of a better term pastoral way of approaching this in the midst of death right like when when someone dies, I don't ever correct their theology of heaven. Now I'm I always speak orthodox theology around death. Like if I'm doing a funeral, I'm gonna be like, this person died, uh, they're in eternity, but they knew Jesus and so they're with Him right now, right? So I'm gonna yeah. speak to the if, things I know.
0: Yeah, and if I say, oh, Grandma was so sweet, she's living on a cloud and she has angels' wings, in that moment of despair, you know, and grief, you're not gonna be like, uh, actually, you have it. Horrible understanding of right. I'm not. I'm not going to critique
1: it in that moment. But yeah. I, I am going to speak what's true. But I'm not. Absolutely, that's not going to be my first thing. Is going to be like, no, she's probably not playing a harp. Um,
2: so okay. Okay. Know- so, so pastors, let me ask you this. Um, I know that the let's just put let's just put you in a situation where you're doing you are doing a funeral for a person where you have no idea what they're. What their faith life was like. Um, yep. You don't know whether they are legitimately in heaven. They have never communicated to you with, that they have a fa- saving faith in Jesus Christ. In fact, you would say that f- for some reason you're doing this funeral for someone that you know did not have a saving faith, and 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 Wait, the family is looking for didn't? comfort.
0: Well, I don't think it matters, Gabe. Yeah, let, let's I, just I think, well, no, I, I don't think it matters because the situation would be the same uh, where. Then you don't speak to the individual, but you use the very visible reality of a dead body to say this is the result of the law. Sin leads to death, and this is the worst that happens to us. And yet there is a hope on the other side. You don't speak and say this person uh, has received their eternal reward, they're with Jesus, or anything like that. But you can use the context and the situation of the funeral itself to point everyone else in that room – to a confidence and a hope in Christ that there is something after this that is eternal life.
2: So when that person's spouse comes up to you and says, thank you for that message, that hope that, that, that my, my husband or wife is in heaven with Jesus, and you're like, oh no, this person was an unbeliever. They're rotting in hell. No,
0: like, see, that's, that's, where you do, that's where you do exactly what Gabe said earlier. You speak to the biblical truth, but you don't sort of condemn them in their errancy.
1: Right. So, in at least not in that moment, and, and yeah, I mean, to Josh's point, Tom, like, so Tom, I feel like you're maybe trying to get at something and Josh and I are maybe answering it pastorally as opposed to answering it uh, theologically, which, which let me yeah, just so, unpack what I mean by that. Like, pastorally, I'm never, like, if I do a funeral for a non-believer, which I don't believe I've done yet, no, I haven't. If I do, I... I'm not going to get up there and be like, well, this guy's burning, man, crispy piece of bacon right now. Like, like, I'm not going to talk about hell. Um, that doesn't mean I don't believe in hell. That doesn't mean that person isn't there. But no, if, I'm not going to talk about it in that moment.
2: No, and I and I think you're absolutely right, especially from the pulpit to do that. Um, I, I'm talking more on a one-on-one basis, and yep. and... Not just you as pastors talking with people, but I think for our listeners and 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 for people who are not pastors to be to be having conversations with with our friends, with our neighbors, with our family about uh, what happens when you die and you you know, confronting them in an honest way, you know, I live in Minnesota and we have our passive aggressive Minnesota nice thing going on yeah. where we just want to pat everybody on the shoulder and say it's going to be okay. Yeah. But when it's not, and I think that's one of the big struggles, at least that I have, and I think is central to this argument of, you know, when someone says, well, well, they were a good person, they're, they're, they're going to go to heaven. And in my mind, I'm like, well, no, being a good person doesn't necessarily get you to heaven. It's having a saving faith in Jesus Christ that gets you to heaven. Sorry, so you know. Let me and put that, language to that, the,
1: then, Tom, because because I think you're right. Um, so let me put language to that. If sorry to interrupt you, but but what yeah. for me when I when I talk to friends of mine who are not of the faith and they say to me, "So, Gabe, you think I'm going to hell?" It, so this has happened. Like this has happened. Uh, and, and I say this. I say, listen. I believe judgment day comes for all of us and I believe that we all are going to stand accountable before God and either we stand accountable for God on our own works and our own good deeds or we do it on the basis of what Jesus has done for us and scripture is really clear and you know this in your heart. I'd say to my friend that your good deeds are not enough to get you into God's paradise. They're just not. And so for me, I'm banking on Jesus for me. Uh, if you bank on your good works, I'm telling you, God's judgment is going to fall on you. And that's not going to be good.
2: You know, I, I think that is uh that is a really fantastic place to kind of end this end this conversation because at the end of the day, I think what we want our listeners to know is that it does not fall on us. It falls on 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 the power of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross by dying on the cross, by rising again. Uh, so that we might have the hope, and by hope I do mean the absolute truth that 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 Christ's power enables us as believers to to be in heaven with Him forever. Preach truth. it, Tom. Preach That's it, Tom. Right.
1: Pastor Tom Ooh.
2: showing up, dude.
1: I love this show because last episode was about fantasy football. <laughs>
2: And and this, and and this week it's death.
1: it's death. yeah, that's good. Um, all right, should we go to break?
2: Yep, let's go to break. We are once again listening to Agape, good friend of the show, good friend of all of us. I hope you enjoy the it
0: come back alive Found in the nothing in the void, where suffering is destroyed sober all the lies. Thomas getting in there. T trying to live clean doesn't mean living sterile. I love. Get paid is great, but everything on a shelf has an expiration date.
2: All right, welcome back once again. that was our friend Nagape. Ah, uh, we want before we get out of here, we want do a couple shout outs. First off, Ax Leander, the Church of Gabe Casper. Uh, as we're talking about death tonight, we talk about Axleander in Texas, where everything's trying to kill you. I mean, we're talking scorpions, heat, cactus, Republicans with guns—you name it. That brings us to Bridge City, where we have Josh as the pastor leading his church. Bridge City, where you know everybody is trying to kill you. True that. If you listen, if you listen to Josh tell stories enough, you know this is true. And then bah, let's, bah, bring bah. To, <laughs> let's bring it to Second Harvest in Minneapolis, where. I don't know. We're trying to help people not die by giving them food. So, hooray for us. Way to go. Way to go. That's, that's right. A uh, couple, couple shout outs to individuals once again. Mom, Janet, thanks for listening. We, we know you, you probably. Janet. Actually, I'm sure you probably listened to our entire last episode about <laughs> fantasy football, even though you don't care or don't know. But we know you just love the sound of my voice, just like I do. So, thanks for listening. Uh, Connor Blackshear, I want to thank you personally for uh, for shouting us out, for sharing our posts, for sharing our episodes. You are our, I think you are our number one fan besides Janet. So number two we fan. love you, Connor. That's right. And lastly, my good buddy Ed, uh, you are exactly who we hoped would be listening. Uh, you are. You are a good friend of mine, and we love that you love us. So thank you for listening and enjoying our podcast. Uh, hopefully all of you will share us and, uh, and continue so that we can bring more friends into, into this so that we can continue to shout people out.
0: Yeah, yeah. If that wasn't shameless enough, let me just remind all of you that we literally can't eat without your subscriptions. It's true. (laughs) That's not true. That's not true, especially all this talk about being fat and stuff. So clearly, you know, I'm a liar. Uh, I invented a lot, that's not true either. But to get on with it, listen, follow us on Facebook. You can find us at PineClassPreachers.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, any other podcasting subscription service. You'll be able to download this, and be sure to share with your friends – And honestly, leave us some reviews. We'd love to know how we're doing and to hear some feedback from you guys. So whether it's on our Facebook page or our iTunes site, uh, go ahead and leave a review on how you think we're doing or where we can improve. We just like to hear from you guys. And so next time on – Last call. It's actually kind of a – maybe we should stop doing that. It's sort of depressing when you're at the pub and they say last call because then you know you can only get one more beer. Or in Tom's case, some – Rum what one more,
1: one more apple teeny. Easy on the teeny. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> there you go.
1: Okay, well, we're gonna Beagle. diversify
0: and next time nice. on Pine Glass Preachers, it's time for the world's religions. Woohoo! Yep. So we're gonna be talking all kinds of faith traditions that we see on our little old third rock from the sun. So we look forward to having you check in there. In the meantime, like I said, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're out.
1: Later, skaters.